Hi folks, hang in a while. This is Ray Walker from the Jordanaires. You're listening to TCB Radio Network.com. Don't leave. If you do, you'll be sorry for a short time. The rest of your natural life. All you Elvis fans, this is Krista Joy, founder of TCBRadioNetwork.com. And I'm your co-host of TCB Radio Network and Elvis tribute artist, Peter Alden. Welcome to the TCB Radio Network podcast. Get ready for some Elvis content and news you can use, where it's all Elvis, all the time. Interviews with authors, Elvis fan club presidents, artists, musicians, and of course, close personal friends of Elvis Presley, people who knew him. Thank you for tuning in. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for the TCB Radio Network Podcast. Classic television shows like 77 Sunset Strip and My Three Sons and many others. She also co-starred with Elvis Presley in the MGM film Kissing Cousins. And that, as she states on her website, is the story dreams are made of. We are honored today to have her on TCB Radio Network to tell that story that dreams are made of. Plus, we'll talk about her book, which you can pick up at CynthiaPepper.Weebly.com or on Amazon. And we'll also ask some of the questions our listeners sent in for her as well. Cynthia Pepper, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Looking forward to this. Well, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit about your career? And now you actually came from a showbiz family. Right. My... uh... My dad was in vaudeville, and my mother uh, was a dancer on Broadway with Zig, the Zigfeld Follies and Billy Rose, and uh, then my dad, uh, it has nothing to do with me, but my daddy was married to Ginger Rogers. He liked, he liked dancers, I guess, because my mother was a dancer. Wow. That was the first marriage for both, and uh, wow. I have a cute story in my book about meeting her years later, but she... Uh, uh, then, then he married someone else, then he married my mom, and I, I, that's all I've known is show business, and... Uh, they encouraged me, and I, I really don't have any other skills other than that. So that's how I made a living and uh, still enjoy talking to the, you know, to the fans, the Elvis fans, and the, the different shows that I do. And uh, I went to Hollywood High, grew up in Hollywood, went to Hollywood High with some other actors you might know, um, Linda Evans, uh, Mike Farrell, different people, and then um, got an agent and started working in small parts. And then I had a show called Margie on ABC. I played a high school girl in the 20s, and that went for a year, and then went rerun another year, and then um, My Three Sons, of course. I did, I think, about 11 episodes of My Three Sons. I played Mike, the oldest girl's uh, next-door neighbor girlfriend. Okay, yeah. And then uh, Elvis, and then other things, Perry Mason, Wagon Train, Flying Nun, Adam's Family, different things of the 60s and early 70s. And so, I mean, um, of course, Elvis is, is my guy, right? I mean... <laughs> Who well, wouldn't remember everything about working with Elvis? Well, before we get to Elvis, because and this okay. is this is another this is another entertainer is near and dear to my heart, okay. uh, because I do a tribute. I understand that you also knew David and Ricky Nelson. I went to school with David and Ricky. Dave, Ricky was a year older, and David was uh, I think two years older, two years older than me. Now we're talking about the fifties, the good old fifties, you know, the happy day times. Right. And uh, we used to watch him play basketball, and my girlfriends and I had the biggest crush on him, uh, of Ricky. And um, yeah, and I went to with Stephanie Powers. I went to school with. 
uh, we had a good group um, at that time. Uh, and I, I didn't know him outside of that. And I didn't date him or anything, but he would come to our, our gymnasium and he'd, he would play basketball, uh, Ricky Nelson. Right, that's that's fantastic. My my mom and her sister, when they mm-hmm. were teenagers, would would get out movie magazines and have arguments over who was who was who was cuter, Ricky Nelson or Elvis. So <laughs> they had that same look. They really did. Uh huh. The pout. They had that same look, and I the first song I heard Elvis do was Heartbreak Hotel, in the mid. I think it was fifty uh, six. And, and you'd, in, in those days, you'd go. I think it was Sunset Boulevard. You go into a, a, this uh, music uh, shop, and you put you know you go into a little room and you play these uh, records, and that's and I'm like, oh my god, I had the biggest crush on Elvis then, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing or thinking that someday I'll be working with him and become a friend, basically. Yeah. So well, before we get to to that though, yeah. I know you graduated, and then you got the part on My Three Sons. And then uh, Margie, what was your first film that you did? First film I did was uh, uh, Take Her, She's Mine with Jimmy Stewart and Sandra D. Holy You know God. Sandra D. I played her roommate. Wow. And I was under contract at 20th Century Fox. In those days, I was like the tail end of the contract players. So they made me go brunette because... Uh, uh, Sandra was blonde, of course. And then Jenny Maxwell who was, you know, in um, Blue Hawaii, played the, the bratty child, a uh, young girl. She was also a roommate of of uh, Sandra D. Oh, and she was blonde. So they said, Cynthia, you've got to go brunette. So the, the, the contrast. So I did. That was fine. And um, so I, I, that was what I did. I, I only did three movies. I did a movie made for television. Then I did, uh, of course, Kissing Cousins. But mainly my mainstay was television. I did Miss Congeniality here in Vegas. 2005 with Sandra Bullock. I only had two lines, but um, it was a thrill, you know, and I did get credit, so I thought, well, I don't try to, you know, make it sound like I was co-star or anything with her, but <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a thrill, and then my husband says, oh, you, did you get her autograph? I said, honey, you don't go up, to, you're not supposed to do that, you know. Right. I have your autograph when you're working with someone, but she was very, very sweet and very pretty, and uh, so television was my mainstay, was what I did, um, I did a play in um, Summerstock with Ed Burns, you know, Cookie Burns. Yeah, yeah. And David Hedison. We did a, a four-person play. We, we, it was called Summerstock in those days, in the late uh, 60s. Uh, I, I digress here. But anyway, the whole 60s, last of 50s, 60s, and early 70s, I, I was working a lot. David Hedison, was he, was he on 77 Sunset Strip? Was that what he was on? No, he wasn't in that, but that he was uh, in the play I did. Okay. Um, no, he was in um, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. I ah, think. that's it, Voyage to the Bottom yeah, of the Sea. Yeah, what a nice man. And I saw him at the Hollywood show, which is a collector's show in L.A. Um, they have it three or four times a year that I go to at least once a year. And uh, you, you sit and you talk to fans, and he was there. And I, I had my picture taken with him again. We, we met, uh, reminisced about, you know, working. And then Ed, I'd see Ed once in a while, Ed Burns. So I did that, and then I did a a show called U.S. Steel Hour, which was, now this is the 62-3, you can find it on YouTube, I couldn't believe it, my uh, co-writer, Victor Hansen, said, you know, you're on U.S. Steel Hour, and those were the days where it was live, live, you go from, I mean, it was nationwide, 
it wasn't it wasn't uh, filmed. So you you would once you did your scene, if you're in the next scene after the commercial, you'd run to the next set. Well, Martin Sheen was in it, George Siegel, and Tommy Sands, wow. who was then married to Nancy. The thread of Elvis is through my whole life. It's amazing. It really who was is. married to Elvis. You know, I mean, who was in the Elvis movies? So she and I, we we rehearsed in New York uh, for about three weeks, and then you film, you not film, you you do the show live that one day uh, through the day, and um, I played his girlfriend, and you can pick it up if you go on U.S. Steel Hour and on the on the internet. It's just amazing, and it has um, it's called Inner Panic, I N N E R P A N I C. It was fun to see because I was twenty. I think it was sixty-two because I was I was twenty-two years old. I, oh my God! You know, I said I can't believe. And some things I don't remember doing. You know, saying because it was so long ago. And the one who played Tommy Stan's mother was Glenda Farrell, who played Elvis's mom in Kissing Cousins. Oh. Mammy, you, I mean, you know, you are just, you are definitely connected to Elvis. It is, it, and, and listen, look at this, and and Yvonne Craig, who was my dear dear friend, because uh, then we we traveled. Uh, it's all this is made mainly in my book, Pigtails, Presley, and Pepper. But this is the plug. But um, besides the family history I have, which are some, you know, um, wasn't all that great with a lot of people. You know, everyone has um, a dysfunctional family. I did to a certain extent, a lot. But anyway, so when I was 12, we lived in Hollywood on Holly, on Vine Street, and my neighbor was Jimmy Boyd. Jimmy Boyd is a young boy that sang I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, okay? Mm-hmm. That made a big hit in the 50s. And as adults, he ended up marrying Yvonne Craig. Oh. oh. I mean, it didn't last long, but they were married. I said, okay, it's my, my connection with Elvis started... I think it was 11 and 12 years old. Wow. It's just, it just, and then it goes through on, you know, that seven to six degrees of Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. where somebody knows somebody, somebody knows somebody, and that's just the way it is with Elvis. You don't so, even, uh, you don't even need six degrees. You're like one or two degrees I, off. I'm one degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 did you ever hear about my Jimmy Dean, my James Dean story? No, but go ahead and tell us. Should I tell it? Absolutely. It, it has to do with Elvis, but uh, I mean, I, were, I didn't know if you wanted to graduate, graduate, go into Elvis, you know, the movie. But um, when I was fifteen, my dad, you know, being in show business, knew um, uh, Chill Wills and Dub Taylor, who were old character actors even then, and he, they were making the movie Giant with Rock Hudson, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, James Dean, right, and at Warner Brothers, and we lived in Hollywood, and he went over to see his old friend. And it was 1955, and it was my birthday, September. And the phone rings, pick it up. My daddy said, um, and he was from Texas, my dad, so we call him daddy. And he said, honey, someone wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. He hands the phone to somebody, and I said, hello. And the man says to me, is it Cynthia? I said, yes. He said, well, this is James Dean. He said, my your daddy said it was your birthday. And I, I nearly dropped the phone, and I said, uh, yes. He said, how old are you? And I said, 15. <laughs> I kind of stuttered. And he said, well, I just want to wish you happy birthday. And I said, thank you. And he gave, he gave the phone back to Daddy. And then two weeks later, he was gone, you know, in his accident. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I told that story to Elvis because Elvis pulled a trick on me. And I tried to get back at him that something that I could do or say that he couldn't do. Because, you know, James Dean was his idol, his acting idol, 
maybe one of them. And uh, I said, well, I know something. I I did something you didn't do because I had to get back at him for a trick he pulled on me. Wait, what was the you trick know, back... he pulled on you? Let's back up. Okay, back up. Uh, when we were rehearsing the, the flip I do mm-hmm. with Elvis. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just very short, but you rehearse things, you know, for hours. It's like, you know, 30 seconds on the screen. Anyway... So we were rehearsing this one time away. I've told this story before, but I'm telling new new people then. Yeah. Uh, uh, away from everybody on the sound stage, and I was practicing the flip, and I flipped him, and it looked like he he lay, he fell flat on his head, you know, on his back, and he didn't move. And I said, "Oh my God, I've killed Elvis Presley." <laughs> oh, I said, no. "What what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to have to get the witness protection or get out of the country." <laughs> What am I going to do? It. He just let me stew. It must have been about a minute. I said, Elvis, wake up, Elvis. You know, and it, 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 it was concrete on the floor, but and nobody was around. You know, it's a big sound stage, and you go to a corner, and nobody can see. And I went, oh my God! Finally, about it had to be a minute. He woke up. He said, I got you, my little speckled pup. <laughs> and I said, you son of a gun. So I thought, how am I going to get back at him? You know, he did like, you know practical jokes played on him he loved to do it on other people so i told him that story you know in a very quiet you know we had our conversations and this was one of them and i said oh i you know something i got a wonderful special phone call one time oh what what happened and i told him he said really and i said yeah but i'm not going to tell you all you'll just have to imagine you know what all we said (laughs) (laughs) for a few minutes and i got him back a little bit you know (laughs) nothing bad you know and um Anyway, that was one of my stories. It was just, um, it was amazing. It's well, amazing now to look back that I had that history with him, you know. Yeah. I, I, it, I'm, I'm still blown away by the call from James Dean. That's Oh, yeah. yeah. So cool. And it, he was, he only did, what, three films. And it was, he was, you know, the it guy. Yeah. And I thought, oh. And, you know, till those this day, I remember exactly what he said, and exactly what I told you is what he said. Mm-hmm. You remember certain things, like with Elvis, I remember conversations, not, you know, almost verbatim, but not every conversation verbatim. You know, you can't remember, it's, what, 55 years ago with Elvis? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long time. Well, but, I mean, James Dean, even further back, he only did three films, like you said, and he's still the go-to guy for actors who, oh, are, absolutely. who are trying you know, to... He, he started out and doing these uh, live TV shows. If you could look at his uh, IMDb or if you could find out the history, he did a lot of these live. They were very popular in those days. It was uh, Philco Playhouse, uh, uh, I think it was something, 90-Minute Playhouse, U.S. Deal Hour, different things, and that's how he started. Hmm. You know, it, a lot of them started with small, you know, parts, and then, and then he did the films. I think it was the three, right? The three mm-hmm. films. Yeah. And uh, so he was our, before Elvis, basically, he was our Elvis, kind of, as far as actors go. Mm-hmm. And Elvis did have that in him to be, have that, uh, the depth of him as an actor. He had it, but he just, they didn't, never gave him the opportunity to show it. So how he did you it. learn about Kissing Cousins? How did you get involved in that film? How did I get involved? Well, I was doing, you know, a lot of stuff, and I, of course I had an agent, and I'll never forget this either. Uh, it was a Friday, I'd gone to the store, and... Uh, I had a lady who cleaned for me in those days because I was working a lot, and she said, you called to call your agent. Uh, of course, you had, in those days, I'm talking about 1963, you had uh, uh, message people that you'd call up and get your messages from a real person. Not, it was automated, you know, autom- you know, automatic with the phone. So anyway, I called 
uh, my agent, and he said, are you sitting down? I said, well, all right, I'll sit down. He said, well, I've got some news. I said, what? He said, Elvis Presley saw you on something, because, you know, he watched a lot of TV. And I said, well, yes. And he said, and he got a hold of us, he said, uh, his people, and said, she might be right. He didn't know who I was for this part, Midge Riley. Mm-hmm. And he said, my agent said, if you can get to Warner, to Warner's, to MGM Studio, which was, I don't know, 12, 15 miles, something like that, and, and go to the wardrobe, and if you can fit into the uniform they are waiting for you, then you've got the part you're co-starring with Elvis. Well, I, by the time I picked myself up, I was very excited and nervous. Of course, I raced over there, and I could fit the uniform. The uniform was right, right there, made for me almost. And I usually, you know, when I did Margie, I had to audition for two months. There were like 200 girls that got the part, I mean, that tried for the part. And any time you went, you obviously read and you have callbacks and all that. This was just fate. I mean, this was amazing. Do you you remember your first day on the set? Well, I remember meeting him. I was in my dressing room and there was a dozen roses. And it said, do Cynthia love EP? And right away, I think, oh, Elvis has a crush on me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was still young enough uh, and, and... no, he sent it to all his all his leading ladies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the door, the knock at the door, it was the first day, and he said something. I opened the door, and there was Elvis standing at the foot of the stairs with the, the assistant director, and he said, uh, Elvis, this is uh, Cynthia Pepper. She's playing Midge Riley. And I walked down, and I, I stuck, stuck my hand out, you know, to shake his hand. And he said, honey, don't give me an old hand. Give me a big old hug. <laughs> and that broke the ice, and I thought, phew. You know, this is going to be good. It's not. I was nervous, of course, uh, but I was a professional. I mean, I you know knew I had to know my lines. I had to you know get the um, the heartbeat had to be hidden. You know the <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So to to go with you know to do what I had to do. So um, and we shot for uh, I think it was uh, it two weeks. We only shot for three weeks. All these movies were quick. Hmm. You know, they were they weren't a stretch. You know, it wasn't uh, Tennessee Williams or Eugene O'Neill. You right, know, they were. Right. You know, they were just Elvis shows, and they were wonderful. I mean, clean, and uh, we, who knew that we'd still be talking about him today? You know, he, we had so many talks, and I know we had it with other people about you know whether people fans remember me. He would say when I'm gone, and he asked me that, and I went, "Well, of course, Elvis." Well, I didn't know a hundred percent. You know, I thought, of course they will, but you never know. And look mm-hmm. at him. I think he's, I think he's more popular now than ever. That this goes without saying, I think. But and but like you said, I was a, a preteen when he died, but I was aware of him, and I I remember thinking. Mm-hmm. After he died, I better get to the record store and get a couple of those records because they're probably going to stop selling them now that now that he <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll never hear from him again about right, him again. Right. right. <laughs> they're going to stop selling his records now. <laughs> it was meant to be, you know. People, what they want to do, a lot of people want to put him on a pedestal. He was a regular man. He was a guy that I would tell people if if he were in a room with men and women and girls and everything, he would flirt with the with the ladies and he'd talk male talk, whatever that is, with guys. He was a regular guy, but he was Elvis Presley. He had that something that you can't buy, you can't learn. It's called, in the 20s, they call it the it mm, factor. Yeah. And he had that, and it's something you can't learn. And he had that. And what was good, that's the way I see it, is that he didn't fully recognize that he had that, which made him the humble guy he was. I mean, he knew 
what he had to do when he got on stage. He knew he had to be Elvis. But he was a regular guy. He was false, you know, and, and everything that we do, um, that's wrong. He did, uh, you know, small things. But but he had, he, that he was Elvis. And um, he would be very, very, um, I don't know, amused if he could look down and, and I'm a believer of that, that he could see what's happening and say, I was just a singer. What's all the fuss about? Right. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what made him endearing to us, I think. And one of us. He was one of us. You're listening to the TCB Radio Network Podcast, where we're celebrating the life and memory of Elvis Presley with a mission to share his legacy with the world. Hi, everybody. I'm Krista Joy, founder of TCB Radio Network, and I want to let you know that tonight's show is co-hosted and sponsored by PeterAldenEntertainment.com and PeterAldenLive.com. Peter Alden is a classically trained vocalist with a voice like velvet who performs everything from country to pop while specializing in the golden era of rock and roll. Based in Orlando, Florida, but able to travel all over the world, he can come to you. Please support TCB Radio Network by hiring Peter Alden for musical entertainment or to MC at your next event. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Peter Alden Fans. I, I think about the different co-stars like yourself or Yvonne Craig or, or some of these other people that that might have, like you said, it was Elvis Presley, and you know there there was like, wow, I'm I'm here with Elvis Presley, but then in 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 the movie, I believe you start off not really being impressed by him all that much, so no. it's like now I, I have to be idiot. not impressed by Elvis. Well, that's it. I mean, I you know I look back and I you I think all actors do that. First of all, they think the last part is their last part. You know, they'll never get another job. That's just the old cliche. And the other is that oh, I could do it so much better now. Mm-hmm. You know. If I could do it again. Yes, I had to pretend that he was annoying. So it was a stretch for me. I should have gotten, you know, a little, a small little trophy for that. <laughs> you know, instead of backing up from him. You know, the director, Gene Nelson, who I had a big crush on, too, because he used to do the Doris Day films and stuff. And I thought, oh, my God, Elvis Presley and Gene Nelson. It doesn't get better than that. Anyway, um, you know, you got to back up and look like he's, look, who is this stupid guy? You know, what is he doing? And that's what I did. And it's like, I took everything I had to not just go forward, right? Yeah. I mean, Krista, you would understand that. Yes, yes. You know, just, yeah. why, why am I running away from this guy? Yeah. But you do it. You they, do it. They, and could then, have, uh, they, they could have a special Oscar for all for all the co-stars oh, yeah. for, for yeah. being able to play not interested in Elvis. <laughs> not interested. I mean, who wouldn't be? But, uh, but you know, and I, the speckled puppy said to me in, in rehearsal, so they put it into the script. Hmm. So oh, that was, funny. I thought that was neat. And I don't know why he thought I looked like a speckled pup, but I guess he did. <laughs> that, Doris, you know, that Doris Day ingenue look that some of us had in mm-hmm. those days. Yeah. You know, the hair doesn't move. If you notice that, it just stiff as a rock. <laughs> so fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but you... I thank goodness, you know, I thank goodness that I had worked a lot, uh, you know, since I was 18 and worked a lot and uh, wasn't completely you know, over the moon when I had to work, mm-hmm. you know, I kept that in check. Well, and what do you think? I mean, you're, you're so blessed to be a person that got to really be around him. Right. What do you think has kind of given him that lasting legacy? He was a regular man. So, so what made him unique 
fact that he's we're still talking about him. I can watch TV and I'll even maybe even the news or something, and I'll he'll hear Elvis's name mentioned or music in the background. I go to a restaurant or something, and I would hear Elvis's name, and I thought who would who who knew? Because um, he had wonderful fans then who are now my age, I guess. And then they tell their, their, their children, and they tell their grandchildren, and on and on mm-hmm. it goes. Because he had that, um, that like I said, the allure of, not, I'm, not, I'm not better than you. I am one of you. I happen to be an entertainer. Uh, that's what I do for a living. Uh, I can still tell bad jokes. I can still look, you know, mess my hair in the morning. And he had that, people related to him. And he, from what I talk to a lot of people, they say... They, Listening to his music, first his music is, is it. Uh, they would listen to his music and they said they got it, the music got them through so many hardships. Uh, just listening to his music, whether you even saw him or not, you know, what he looked like or anything, it got them, it touched his, their hearts. Mm-hmm. And I have more people tell me that, that I was in the depths of, you know, despair, so to speak, and I put on record his music and it would just, you know, get me out of that. And he had that gift. And sometimes you can't put a finger on it. Sometimes that's that equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides being gorgeous to look at. <laughs> and when he was singing to me, I said, I literally remember thinking, I can't believe Elvis Presley is singing to me. And I'm getting paid for it. Amazing. <laughs> I thought, yeah, wow. we had to. Yeah, I was just, uh, I picked the right career, didn't I, guys? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I, know, I know nothing else, yeah. trust me. I've never worked in an office. My dad was the same way. My dad, my mother was the one who, I had a sister, too, who was more business. My mother became more business because someone had to take care of the house. My dad was doing, he went overseas with Bob Hope, and he did, you know, he, he, he did a lot of stuff. If you looked him up, Jack Pepper, he did a lot of stuff, maybe small little things, but he worked a lot when I was working, and. I wasn't even aware of that because I was doing my own thing. So it's all I know. It's like any, if you're a rancher, maybe your, your kids are ranchers and that's all they know. It's all I know. And I'm blessed for that. I don't, I don't begrudge that at all. Do you have a preference as to which medium you work in, whether it was television or movies? Uh, movies are long and they can be boring because it takes, you know, two or three months. And uh, I, but I always, is what I like to do. When television was my, my thing, that was, like I said, what I did mostly, and uh, and it's quick. You rehearse. You just sit around a table. You do a read through, and then you get on your feet and you plot. You know, you have. In those days, we was filmed. When I did Margie, it was one camera. It wasn't live with an audience. So you would be like a short movie, small movie each year, each time, and you'd, you'd every week would be done. You'd shoot Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Sunday. You're off usually, but the hours were horrendous. Hours were five four in the morning till to go to eight at night. When I was Margie, I was, you know, I did a lot. Here's another thing. Here's another, oh, I guess it's another connection. James Brolin. You know James Brolin? Yes. Married to Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Uh, he, he, he was an extra on my show. He was a contract player, so they would put him in different shows. He was, uh, he was an extra, basically, on my, and so was Yvonne. Yvonne had a couple of lines on my show. And then there was one, one episode where he's running for president, so he had a bigger bigger part this time. He was running for class president, and so was I. And and I'll never forget, I think he won, or I won, I don't remember, and I'm sitting on bicycle bars, and he's riding, he's, he's driving, you know, riding me on bicycle bars with uh, James Brolin. And then I was, oh, he's so cute, you know, as Margie. Well, 
he was, you know, he's married to Streisand, who might have done the movie with Epis, you know, Star is Born. Right, right. And it's and it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. But um, I, I did, like I said, I did a, a couple of plays. I did the King and I dancing with uh, Marnie Nixon, who did the voice of uh, Natalie Wood and West Side Story and King and I, Deborah Carr, when I was 18. So I kind of started doing that. I, I, the stage bothers, scares me because of learning everything, especially at my, well, I wouldn't do it at my age now. I can't remember where I left my keys today. <laughs> but <laughs> basically, I mean, I do, but, but anyway, so, but I like television. It's faster, but I always hung out with the crew. I didn't go to my dress. I love to watch other people work. I'd hang out with the crew. It's always good to make friends with the cameraman because he's the one that makes you look good or a- not. Absol- absolutely. I, you know that. When I perform, yeah. when I perform, I always make friends with the sound guy. <laughs> yeah, see? And, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's an, it's an honest friendship, but you still, you know, and I always, I was still, truth be told, I would have paid them to do these shows, but yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, it was my dream. My dream came true. What I always wanted to do was to be an actress, and I did it. I was on the Broadway stage when I was four years old with Julie Harris, who uh, passed away not too long ago. She was very uh, famous. She did, I think, Dynasty, but she was elder. Oh, I was her sister, and I was four years old, and I was doing Broadway. But And then they found out how old I was, and they yanked me off, and I was three or four. We lived in New York. It's a long story, but it's in my book, too. But that's part of the show business of family. And, uh, yeah, you make friends. I love the crew. The crew's the best. And then the... the the, the you know the caterers come in that's even better right <laughs> they have good food hot food yes. <laughs> but I worked hard you know I worked I would used to I used to as Margie I don't know what it was but I used to get up at three in the morning go and then I lived in the valley in, in Hollywood and it's to go to to the other side where Fox was and I would set my own hair put it in rollers in those days and get it all ready and finally my hairdresser said why are you coming in so early I said. Well, I set my hair, and she says, why do you do that? And she says, what's the name of the show? I said, Margie. Who's playing Margie? I am. Don't you think that since you're the star of the show, we can do your hair? I, well, I didn't want to bother them. I said, well, I didn't I want to ease your... He said, well, she said, if you keep doing that, I won't have a job. So, yeah, I mean, just... But, I mean, it, I was grounded. You know, some people don't get grounded. Because my dad was in show business, and I grew up in Hollywood. It wasn't like I was, got in the wrong crowd and did bad things. It was, it was a job, and I happened to make maybe in those days more money than someone else because they were working in retail, but it didn't make mine any better. I didn't think I was any better than anyone else mm-hmm. because I had a better job. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. you know what? You, you were fortunate that you escaped because so many of the young, the young actors, right. and still to this day, the young actors get in over their head and, and they, but it, they... You know, honey, it's very heady when, when you have people saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're beautiful. You go first class, you go to sit in a restaurant. Oh, may I have your autograph? And it's very heady. You know, it's very to go to your head right away. Yeah. And um, you have to keep that in check because um, it gets around that, you know, fans don't like that. Yeah. You know, if you start getting... I never did like uh, someone being pretentious. You know, and saying, oh, I'm better than you because I do this, you know. And everybody has a worth, you know, whether it's a plumber or a teacher, whatever. I couldn't do what they do, and they might not have been able to do what I did, but we're all in, in this together, and uh, we all, you know, have a purpose. Well, God gives everybody different talents. and, and Exactly. And um, 
you were you were definitely blessed, and, and I'm sure these and other stories are in your book, Pigtails, right. Presley, and Pepper. Right. It's available on Amazon and CynthiaPepper.Weebly.com. You want to tell everybody what inspired you to write the book? Oh, because well, because I would tell some of these stories with the fans, you know, around, and they said, uh, "Let's not put that down in a book." I said, "Well, I've never thought of that." So I uh, have a a great friend who's from Canada who's a dear friend and he and his wife and we we talked about that and we said well let's do it we don't have a deadline we you know self-published we we don't have a deadline let's do it it took us about two and a half years he lives in Canada he's a stand-up comedian and uh uh, uh clean does cruises mm-hmm. did a lot of cruises mm-hmm. anyway we so we, so we we did it over the phone we did it over the inner in the computer you know the um emails and I said we started kind of going crazy with I said let's go start from the beginning that's how and he was very very good at research you know with my dad's career and uh, dates and so forth and so we had it down and I said you know if nothing else I have a legacy for my 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 dear son do you know how Elvis felt about playing a double role in that movie how he felt about it yeah uh, well, he didn't like his wig. You probably heard that. Yeah. He hated the wig. It took him a long time to come out of the dressing room, and he didn't like the wig at all. You know, he wanted to be the dark. I think Tony Curtis is what inspired him with the dark hair, and he was basically a, a brunette, as we know, growing up. And um, But he had to wear the wig to show the two different Elvises, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Elvis. You had you had to do that. And it was the movie was made in 63, and it was a lot cruder than it is now as far as you could see sometimes, well, it wasn't quite Elvis, you know, it, there's some, not mistakes, but the camera, you know, it, it wasn't in the right place or something, and, and uh, but, you know, it's Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Right, who right, cares? Right, he could have been bald. Who cares? For, for... <laughs> <laughs> he cared, but who cares? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite memory with Elvis? My favorite memory, uh, well, many, but it was just kind of a serious one. He, um, we were we were filming in, in Big Bear, and it was kind of misty. And you know, when it's misty, you can't be shooting, or, or you know, a plane comes over or something. You have to wait because you're outside. And we was when he was going to sing to me and so forth. And we was very quiet, and people were kind of milling around, waiting for it to stop. It wasn't heavy rain, just a mist. And he said to me, Cynthia, and I've told this story too. I said, What, Elvis? And he said, You know. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I said, what do you mean, Elvis? He said, well, I think I should be home driving a truck instead of making all these movies. Mm-hmm. And Holy and I, what do you say to that? What he was getting at and what I figured he was saying is that this is all, what, a storybook? This is all, not out of his league, but how, how humble he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he, he didn't see himself as a movie star. And I think that's what he was saying, and I didn't know what that, I didn't know what to say to that. And to this day, I don't know what how I how I reacted, other than I was in you know I should be home. Ma- I I don't know why I'm making all these movies. I should be home driving a truck. Wow. Went, wow. What? Yeah. And that that was one of the poignant things, you know. But we had a lot of good times and laughs, and um, and I to, to end this, I I was going to go see him, and we you know keep in touch by phone and everything. In those days, you had the phone. <laughs> not computer and he said come up and see me you know in Vegas and I lived in LA and I said you know you go about your, your business and I said I will Elvis I'd love to he said come up you know anytime let me know and I never did and I got chills right now I thought 
you know, and I'm going to be emotional. He's going to be around. I'll see him sometime, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I miss that opportunity. And I'm now my the, the story, the moral of it, if you've got something to do, do it now. Don't wait because obviously we're not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't regret too much in life, but I regret not going to actually do that, to see him in concert. I had my own concert, and I got to know him as a friend, but I do miss that. And um, I think you've got to do what you have to do now and not wait. If it's, you know, something you really want to do. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. I feel honored and blessed to have been in that position to know him and uh, meet the fans. You know, I met some wonderful people. I have good friends in the Elvis world. We're like a family, sometimes dysfunctional, right, guys? Yeah, yes, yes. But we're still a family. We're still a family. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. Well, now, so not to not to dwell on the sad note, but do you, do you remember do you remember um, where you were when you heard? Yep, I was in with my ex-husband. We were in San Francisco driving in a car with my son. My son was 12. And we were listening to radio and talking. And also I said, what was that? It was the news. And I said, did I hear right? And then it said Elvis Presley died. And it was like a complete shock. Because I don't think, unless you lived in the house and saw him daily, that you didn't realize how ill he was. Yeah. I mean, like everybody. And I was in complete shock. And... uh I didn't know the impact of it at the time. Like I said, that we'd still be talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like losing a friend. I mean, you know, it's like, what? And, and, and that's where I was. I was in San Francisco in a car with some, you know, a couple and then my son. Wow. Yeah, we were up there, I think, for his birthday. My son's birthday is in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, that's where I was. Uh, and people remember, I remember when I was, when JFK died. I remember, you know, and Martin Luther King and, and Bobby Kennedy. I remember those things. And, and of course, where Elvis. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's what they say. Everybody remembers where they were when JFK was right. assassinated, when Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, when Martin Luther King and, well, and, and Elvis. It's, it's really weird because, real fast, I lived in Dallas. My dad had a nightclub in Dallas. I, I grew up in Dallas. I went to school in Dallas. And, uh, Parts besides New York, LA, and Dallas. And uh, when when Kennedy died, uh, John Kennedy, uh, that was uh, that was the turning point for America. I think we lost our innocence. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that was a shock. And when and when Bobby Kennedy died, I was in I was in Dallas. Oh. I thought, that's weird. And I used to go down Dealey Plaza, you know, all the time going to school. I well, that's really strange. I, you know, I was in L.A. when Kennedy died, and then when Bobby Kennedy, I, I was in Dallas. Anyway. Wow. Strange. Wow. Uh, strange. Uh, yeah, I got some stories about my hairdresser. It was Marilyn Monroe's hairdresser on, on Take Her, She's Mine, and she would tell me stories, and I heard about Kennedy and all that. It was just very interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll have to save that for yeah. another show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another, that's another book. No, I just yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Cynthia Pepper, pick up her book. It's on Amazon. It's also on CynthiaPepper.Weebly.com. It's called Pigtails, Presley and Pepper. Don't forget, you can also meet her on our cruise coming up in April of 2019. It's been such a pleasure, Cynthia, here. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, and I love the fans. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we, we, again, we appreciate all your time. And uh, thank you. It's it's great to hear the stories, and it's great to hear them from the people that experienced them and all right and thank you so much bye-bye we'd also like to thank lee douglas of old time rock and roll 
always found at www.oldtimernr.com for converting our show to iTunes. We appreciate you, Lee. Be sure to check out Lee's fantastic site and listen to his weekly shows, all oldies music with no commercials. TCB Radio Network is strictly a fan publication, not affiliated in any way with Elvis Presley Enterprises or any of its affiliates or subsidiaries. Please visit us online at tcbradionetwork.com. All trademarks, product names, company names, and logos mentioned are the properties of their respective owners. All opinions stated within do not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone else, and certainly not Elvis Presley Enterprises. Still the King, our theme song for TCB Radio Network podcast, was written by Shane Douglas, produced by Terry Fullwider at Blue Spot Studios, and performed by Peter Alden and his band, Crown Electric Company, featuring David Fontana, son of Elvis Presley's original drummer, DJ Fontana, on drums. And Elvis Presley is still the king. Well, he's still the king. That's all. Man, he sure could sing.